Uh, hi, I'm uh, Khaled Ismail. I'm uh, from Cairo, Egypt. I run an angel uh, fund called Him Angel. Uh, and that's my second fund after the first fund that was called KI Angel. And I continue to invest and mentor uh, young startups in Egypt. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thank you. Now, you know, Egypt, North Africa in general, just feels like a totally different continent to the rest of us. I mean, in sub-Saharan Africa, we have a conversation often on this show about how disconnected even, you know, Anglophone parts of sub-Saharan Africa feel from the, the Francophone parts. North Africa is often not even brought into that discussion because it feels so removed. Why do you think that is? I think it's historic, and I actually completely oppose that kind of thinking. I was in a discussion a few days ago with somebody about you know similarities between Egypt and countries in the Middle East, and I say, in that sense, at least in the entrepreneurship, we're closer to Africa than we are closer to the GCC, for instance. Really? Yes. I mean, it's not just a language issue. It's uh, it's uh, the size, the kind of problems, the 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 poverty. I mean, GCC is spoiled by oil and so on. They have different problems, of course, but we have very little in common except for the language. Whereas with Nigeria or Ethiopia or South Africa, we have lots on, in common. Now, why that ever happened? I think it's the division of of you know the colonial times where they started drawing lines and, and saying this is called North Africa and this is Sub-Saharan and this is Francophone and this is the Eastern Horn. And uh, all of these are fictitious sort of lines that have been drawn. But in reality, when it comes to doing business to the same problems we all suffer from, be it in uh, healthcare, in education, in infrastructure, be it the fact that we have a lot of talented, very smart young people who are looking for jobs, we have so much in common. Uh, and I, I always look to Africa as, as the playground, not, for instance, for us in Egypt, as, as the Middle East being the playground. And do you think, if you're honest with yourself, you're describing an ideal, an imaginary uh, versus a, a reality? Uh, I think uh, I always start with the ideal case in my mind. But I'm a man who has always turned ideas into practice. So I don't like to just be a preacher. So I take some of my startups already that are in Egypt. Uh, I took some of them, uh, one to Ethiopia and one to uh, Kenya. Uh, another one producing machinery in Egypt is exporting now and collaborating with Kenya. Uh, I have taken the initiative between the top five business schools in Africa to unite in entrepreneurship. Uh, so two out of South Africa, one out of Kenya, one out of uh, uh, Lagos, uh, Nigeria, and one from Morocco and one from Egypt, brought them together to form an association of African Academic uh, Association for Entrepreneurship. So I believe in it, but I also do things to make things happen. And you're here in Cape Town, South Africa, like it's just another day in Africa. Yeah, it's like being at home. <laughs> Absolutely. So now tell me about uh, your chosen investment uh, approach, right? I mean, uh, there's angel in the, in the title. Why have you taken this approach? And perhaps describe for us how it's different to perhaps a typical VC approach to investment. I have to make a confession. It was purely coincidental. I, I was raised as a technologist and then I started up my own companies. So I became a serial entrepreneur. And I had up to seven companies. And 
at the same time? No, no, one at a time. Over 20 years, my first was in 91, a solar company, solar energy company. And my last uh, uh, one was um, a very advanced technology company that came with 4G and so on for te mobile technology that was acquired by Intel. Uh, before that acquisition actually happened, I had in mind to allocate, if I ever get a good exit, a good chunk of that money for uh, philanthropy. So I said, okay, and the exit happened, and I had the money in my hands, and I said, let me do some philanthropic projects uh, uh, with the money that I allocated. And I started researching and researching about philanthropic projects just to find out that, first, I don't understand anything about that field. I can't really help it. I can donate the money to somebody, but I will never be able to measure return on investment, which is something I always care about. Uh, so all of a sudden I realized the best philanthropy that, can we, uh, that we can ever do in Africa is generate jobs and generate opportunities and more so generate hope. So I said, what do I know most is uh, entrepreneurship and startups. So let me put the money in a, a not-for-profit fund, uh, which is my original KI Angel Fund, and uh, use that to invest in startups, not for profit, but to be sustainable. So if it is profitable, it will invest more and more in other companies. And by virtue of doing so, uh, satisfy what I originally wanted to do, which is sort of philanthropic, but in a way where I can personally be engaged, I can personally help, I, I understand the field, and I can make su success stories. So that's what happened. That's why I turned into an investor. And so how well did that fund do? So far doing quite well. I mean, I invested in 15 companies. Uh, two failed. Uh, two have had exits. And the rest, most of them have raised a second or a third round and are growing. Among them, the ones I mentioned who are expanding in Africa. So uh, all in all, I'm quite satisfied. Uh, but the jury is still out. I mean, these funds need five to seven years at least to start judging the success. How long has it been? Uh, it's been for four years. Uh, that's why we saw already a couple of uh, exits. So far, if I, if I just do the math, it's, it's at about an IRR of, of, of around 50%, which is pretty solid. Your, your success rate so far, I mean, you're being modest about you know, giving yourself time to truly reflect on the success of this fund. It certainly sounds like it's outperforming comparable funds I could perhaps think of on the continent. What, what do you owe that success to? Well, I, I think it's, uh, I'm trying to beat statistics. I know the statistics of entrepreneurship and startups. And my model uh, tries to beat statistics by virtue of being personally very engaged. I meet all my startups at least once every two weeks. We have two hours of strategy discussions of uh, sometimes just problem uh, solving, sometimes uh, new ideas, sometimes product development things. Uh, Sometimes nipping bad behavior in the bud. Just everything you can think about. And I'm, I'm brutally honest with them. I don't uh, keep tapping on their shoulders and saying, never mind. No, I say, this was a big mistake. You shouldn't have done it. And I say uh, a lot of things that may not sound very nice, but they help them. Uh, uh, so I think by, by passing on all the experiences that I've had and, and, and bringing in also my network of connections, be it people who can help also in mentorship or be it uh, potential customers, potential partners. All of that uh, improves the statistics and I hope will bring more success than, than, than the average.
And so what's the second fund about? You, you mentioned a second fund. Second fund is identical to the first one, but uh, it's not going to be my personal money. I'll, I'll put money in it, but it's going to be uh, additional people who came to me and asked to join. And I said, I don't want you to join the first fund because it is a not-for-profit and I did it for a purpose. Uh, but let me build a new fund that will be for profit and where everybody can come in and then it has its lifetime and hopefully I'll return to you good IRRs and that's the second fund. You're literally leveraging your good name you know, in, in creating this fund. I, I presume you're exposing yourself to a fair amount of pressure to perform and, and not let the brand down. So I'm, I'm trying to, to sort of gauge how much pressure you might or might not be under in, in the second fund. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had similar worries and uh, I'm a person who worries very much when it's not my own money. Uh, when it's my money, you know, I take decisions, I carry responsibility, I can sleep very easily. But when it's other people's money, uh, I feel much more pressure and that's the price I will have to pay to go for a much bigger fund. It's not as though you're, you're walking into this with, without understanding what you're getting into, but what advice would you give to people approaching things uh, given what you now know about doing things yourself as an angel, as it were, uh, versus a, a more formal approach? I think there are two types of investors in my mind, the engaged and the not engaged. And we need both because uh, the quality of the engaged has to be very high and, and hence we don't have the huge numbers who can be engaged and help. But if you limit the investments to those, you will not have enough money. While we know that we have a lot of high net worth individuals and others who would like to invest for a cause or for profit or for both, uh, who don't want to be engaged. So I think we need the mix of the two. And for every engaged investor, you, you can have three or four non-engaged ones and still have a successful model. And so what's your sense of the uh, competitiveness in this in the VC space on the continent, I suppose I should start by asking what sort of deal sizes you're going for, perhaps what your thesis is for the second for the second fund, and then perhaps after you answer that, give me a sense of your perception of the competition in the space because I've met quite a few uh, VCs here today, and I'm thinking, uh, is is it more competition or collaboration that's going on here? Well, first question, my my, my thesis is is I do. Uh, at a uh, seed stage investments of fifty to $200,000 each. Uh, I keep some money to invest in later stages with, uh, with the successful companies so I don't get diluted too much uh, and to keep being engaged with them. Uh, and I never uh, accept uh, a big chunk of their equity. I like them to maintain at this early stage most of the equity. But also, I don't accept being a minute stake of uh, 2% and 1% and 3% because it, it wouldn't be worthwhile my energy and time and focus. So my average is 10 to 15% equity and uh, ticket size fifty to $200,000, uh, give or take. Um, now, about competition with other VCs and so on, I think it's, uh, it depends. It's market by market. It depends. Um, I didn't ask which markets you're targeting. Are you market agnostic? Are you, uh, and even in terms of like, you know, I mean, your proximity to the Middle East, are you open to that? Are you specifically Africa focused? Uh, KI Angel, the first fund was Egypt focused. 
um, Him Angel, which is the second fund, uh, will go out of Egypt, uh, opportunistically into Africa and maybe into some of the Middle East, not all the Middle East. As I said, I don't see the Middle East being my playground. I, I see probably Africa uh, being a good playground for a lot of ideas. Um, now, back to the competition thing. I, 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 uh, as I said, it's, it's market dependent. Um, there are countries I will not name where they have very few deal flows and too much money. And hence, I can see and sense the amount of competition. It's cutthroat between the VCs because there is too much money chasing opportunities. Uh, whereas if it's the opposite, if there are more opportunities and less money, the, they tend to be more collaborative. So it, it really depends from market to market. Um, I personally, uh, at the angel stage, feel that there is very little angel investments in Africa and in the Middle East in general uh, from the amount point of view. Not number of deals, but the amount being spent in Egypt altogether, it's like $5 million or something a year, which is pathetic. You know, We have uh, at least $100 million for VC and only five are spent for angel. So that's disproportionate. Uh, and hence, I, I don't see any competition in the angel space. Uh, and I collaborate with VCs because I have to bring them in at, le at my second and third uh, stage of investment in, in the companies. So they are my friends. We work together and I see no competition with them. And then what do you make of the progress with, uh, on the continent with regards to syndicating angel investment efforts? I don't see enough collaboration yet on the continent level. I mean, we, we barely started creating collaborations on the country level. So I'm sure, I, I don't know the details, but I'm sure even in South Africa or in Nigeria and so on, not everybody's collaborating yet with everybody. So to talk about a continent-level collaboration, I think it's still uh, a few years ago uh, away from that. Does it need to get to the point where you discover something in Egypt and there are 10 obvious people you give a, sh a call to in Egypt or around the continent? Is, is it as basic as that, or am I oversimplifying you know, how it would need to play out practically? Uh, I think it's, it's going to be quite opportunistic. I, I hate to say most of my life has been opportunistic. I mean, I, you can plan as much as you want, but then things happen, you know. So today I was here in South Africa in Cape Town. I met a company and I said, you should come to Egypt, you know. I'll help you and so on. Another one, I said, you're exactly in the same space like one I invested in. Let's think about partnering, merging you even together. Uh, two days ago, if you would have asked me, I wouldn't have planned for this. But what we can do more in Africa is gatherings like the one we're in here. Uh, uh, so people get to discuss, have an opportunity to see each other, and good things come out. Gatherings like this are actually quite rare, um, not even in terms of their occurrence, just in terms of the depth and quality of the people they convene, and the, or at least the depth with which the topics are dealt with, etc. Speak to someone who should have been here, perhaps listening to us because a great deal of our audience is abroad, uh, who should have been here. Someone's got a little bit of money and Nest Egg perhaps has you know, exited a company elsewhere, sitting there with anywhere from 200000 to half a million dollars and is thinking, listening to you going, I want to get involved. What's the obvious next step for such a person, do you think? 
I, I assume you mean the diaspora of, of Africans living in the U.S. or in Canada or in Europe and so on, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, uh, many of those are emotionally still connected, but physically less so, and uh, knowledge-wise and information even more, even less so, because they don't know what's happening in their home countries. Not enough, because they have been living for a long time. But they still would like to keep ties and like to be engaged and so on. I think the, the, the networks that are being put together all over Africa in terms of angel networks and so on would be the right place to start uh, that they get engaged with any of these networks and start contributing some of uh, uh, their investments to the angel networks, everyone to the network of his home country that he wants. Or if we ever have a, a pan-African angel uh, fund, Uh, that could be also a very good, uh, you know, place for them to all put their money into it. Hey, Ben, I hope you're listening. Hopefully. <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure um, learning more about you. And um, thank you so much for joining me on the African Tech Roundup. Thank you.